Hello and welcome to If Anyone Cares from a car in the passenger seat. <laughs> Got a man driving who decided he wanted to treat me to a day of college football on my birthday. Today is my 19th birthday, September 28, 2019. 19 years ago today in a hospital room in Lake Charles, Louisiana, Memorial Hospital. I poked my head out, looked around, decided nope, didn't want to come out. That probably wasn't great. Eventually came out, got it done, 10.56 a.m. Great time, great day. You're welcome, America, for that. So happy this is happening right now. In the driver's seat is a man that is near and dear to me. He's been on the show before. And he took a whole day out to go watch Louisiana Tech beat Rice in overtime. A little free football. I'm just so thankful for him. Jordan Zerman, how are you? I'm doing great. Uh, it was nice to treat Riley James to college football in its truest form. I like to call mid-major football. Uh, we got to watch a showdown between the Louisiana Tech Bulldogs of Ruston and the Rice University Fighting Owls, home of the Marching Owl Band, one of the greatest, one of the greatest uh, gifts that college football has given to the world. Uh, but also, it was a matchup between two titans as Louisiana Tech is hosting a 3-1 and record. And they went in to play against the 0-4 Rice Owls. So quite a matchup for the day. Uh, Rice might have been the best 0-4 team I've ever seen. Or Tech kind of made them seem as such. So uh, it was nice to, to bring Riley along to show him that uh, even a win against a winless team, it still matters and it's still special. All right, so the, the the way this went down, talk about the game for a second. So Louisiana Tech, Jordan graduated from there with a uh, bachelor's in, in mathematics. Very, very good at math, this guy. If you don't remember his bio from episode 17, he ended up going to get a master's degree in mathematics at Magnet State University, in which he now uh, teaches there from time to time. So the game, Louisiana Tech, Rice, Jordan explained it, 3-1 for Louisiana Tech with their only loss coming against um, Texas. Texas. Pretty big school. Power 5. Rice also lost to Texas. Rice is 0-4. They played three Power 5 schools, obviously, so you're not going to have a great record to start off the year. It's kind of how mid-major football works. They play a bunch of big schools. They get money. Great. So... I've been to two Louisiana Tech games in my life. This was the first one I wore blue. Louisiana Tech came and played LSU last year. Me and Jordan were at that game together. He came with me. Um, there, was a, there was a little strike strike of fear during that game for me. Jordan, you want to tell that story for everyone? Because you seem to remember a lot better than I do. Because I, I was blinded by the pain and the fear of Louisiana Tech beating LSU. Oh, yeah. You want to tell that story? 
All right, so let's let's rewind to fall of 2018 uh, in the year of our Lord. Uh, yeah, AD Anno Domini. Uh, it. Let me let me just let me just preface it with this: by no means was I going into the game uh, completely certain that Tech could pull off a victory. But it's one of those things of in the event that my alma mater was able to beat the most consistent program in the state and one of the more consistent programs in the country on their field, I'm going to be there. Because for me, uh, I've, I've had a track record of going to road games for Louisiana Tech. It, it became a pastime back in 2011. Uh, my brother and I and a couple of our friends, my roommate then, and actually uh, my friend Cameron Dodd that we actually hung out with today, we drove all the way to Oxford, Mississippi to go see Louisiana Tech play Ole Miss. Uh, it was their homecoming game. We, I mean, uh, I think we got tickets for like two bucks or something. We sat on the 50-yard line on the first row. Uh, and Tech ended up winning that game, I want to say 20-7. to 7. It, wasn't, it wasn't very close. Tech, Tech really beat Ole Miss on their field. And so that was a really exciting, like, first road game. And then throughout the time I've had a lot of great adventures my friend Cameron uh, was my roommate for a year in college but then also he lives in Houston and so we usually go to the Tech Rice game every other year because they're a divisional opponent so we just swap Uh, and then we try to go to a road game in off years where they're not playing Rice in Houston Uh, so we've gone and seen them play like in Lafayette and I took Cameron one year uh, actually right before he got married we went and saw then play Southern Miss, which is another big rival that we have. So it's kind of a, a thing for us to go see road games. So I know a few years back when Tech scheduled LSU for like, uh, it actually was the first time in like nine years that they played because they played all the way back in 2009 that I had to be there for that game because in the off chance that we win, I have to be there. But then also we usually circle a date of one that we want to go to. So I'd Riley and I'd kind of become closer. So. Uh, they invited me to come to this game because they knew I was an as a alumnus, and so my wife and I actually made the journey to go. And I was proud even showing up because there was more blue than I thought there would be. There was a lot of supporters there. Uh, LSU comes out to a commanding lead, and you know all the 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 taunting starts, and you know some of the fans were really cool that were around us and there was you know there's always some of each of them but for the most part people were very kind and understood that you know let's not get too proud about beating a team that's definitely has a lower status and recruits different talent and so uh but late in the game i want to say in the fourth quarter we pulled it within three 12 minutes to go go in the game and riley not understanding the ability at which Louisiana Tech falls apart at a moment's notice, uh, which he got to experience tonight. <laughs> they won the game. Uh, yeah, we did win, but he, he, he got to experience our ability to play down when we don't need to or just completely throw away opportunities. Uh, when we got it within three, Riley immediately down spiraled. Into, I mean, he was in a complete tailspin to where they were going to lose to us. It was LSU was going to lose to Tech, then they were going to lose to Georgia, then they were going to lose to Alabama, then they were going to actually get demoted to Conference USA and swap places with Tech, who would join the SEC, 
And then we were going to, I think, claim their field, and then LSU would shut down their doors to their university, university completely. And it was just, it was, it was all happening in this one moment. Did I go that far? You did. You really did. Shut it you said it was going to get shut down. So this is all because LSU is still winning by three points, which as, which we'll we'll go deeper into this in a moment with how the game went tonight because Tech was behind for a lot of the game to a winless Rice team. At all. Did we never lead? No. I guess we didn't lead. Okay, so we didn't lead until the end of the game when we won the game. The last play of the game. So it, it was an, an experience, but that, that was Riley's first little foray into it was being up by three points against us with 12 minutes left to go, left to go, he was certain that we were about to lose. I mean, that they were about to lose to us, I should say. So. And then just for to finish that story, LSU ends up winning yeah, by, by they won 38-21, I think. Yeah, because LSU was leading um, 24-21, and then they scored two touchdowns, and they and they wrapped it up. Um, it was. 17 and a half point favorites, so I was very proud of my squad for covering. Yeah, they covered. Betting terms. Probably won't get too much into that. Um, they beat the spread, I guess. Yeah. They beat it. They did beat the spread. Nevertheless, so how that game ended was LSU won by 17 points. So great. Ended up, you know, doing the job against Louisiana Tech. They go on, they beat Georgia, obviously, and then they lose to Alabama at home. Go on, beat UCF in the, in the Fiesta Bowl. They get a Power five or uh, New Year's six win over a team that hadn't lost a game in three years. Not bad, right? So tonight we go. We had a great day. We'll get to it in a second. But tonight I watched as Louisiana Tech played completely just garbage a lot of the game. The offense was bad. The defense let up two touchdowns. It was 14. Um, it was 14-7 at the uh, at halftime, and they scored like right at the end of the half too, didn't they? Oh no, they missed the field goal. Oh no, they threw an interception at the end of the half. That's right. Yeah, they 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 threw a pick in there uh, in the end zone. That's right. <laughs> they missed a the kick earlier in the half, and they scored two touchdowns. So, uh, 14-7 or like 7-7 at the end of the first quarter. So Tech never led at all during the course of the game. The, the play they took the lead was uh, Jay Moore Smith running the ball into the end zone for the touchdown in overtime, which was great. I've, I've seen two overtime games live and in person in college football. I saw LSU play Arkansas, uh, beat Arkansas 33-30 in overtime back when Arkansas was decent. Um, and LSU was, wasn't great. That was like 2008. It was the year after they won the national title. And then, um, or like 2009, maybe. Yeah, it was 2009. 2009, LSU, Arkansas. And then, hey, Jamar Smith just liked my tweet. I said Jamar for Heisman, and he liked it. Of course he did. Jamar. Jamar's cool. Jamar Smith is quarterback for Louisiana Tech. I sent out a tweet of, you can see the tweet at Riley James ISC. I'm all about self promotion. Um, Jamar liked it because I said Jamar for Heisman because he had a game tonight. He wasn't great, but he he was good enough. And we, we had the conversation with Cameron tonight, the guy that came with us. Um, 
Jamar Smith is a serviceable college quarterback. Like it's he's good. He's just not great. He's 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 maybe he's gonna win you a game, but he's probably not gonna lose the game for you. So, anyways, so we 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 go through the game, get to overtime. Tech wins. Run over, do the alma mater. Great time. Um, overall, what, what what are your thoughts on today? I think I think we had a good day together. Yeah, I mean it was it was fun. I I I love. I love tech football. I really do. And for me, it is a, it is a whole experience. Uh, my, my wife doesn't enjoy football games very much. And her track record of going to tech games with me has not been fantastic. Uh, last year, the two games we chose to go to, uh, we lost to UAB, which I can't stand losing to UAB. And we played a terrible game that time. And then also we lost to Western Kentucky, who I think was ended up being three and nine. We gave them their third win of the season, uh, and it, it just it just uh, it it grinds at me because during the time that I've been a Tech fan has really been the rise of Tech football. Right now we're currently in a five bowl game win streak, five consecutive years with a bowl game with a win, which is huge for our program. But whenever I first went to school there, I think the first season we were four and eight. Uh, and then we were very good for a couple years, and then we were extremely bad my senior year. And so uh, I've, I've lived and died through tech football, and it was a, it was a fun time in my life. It reminds me of the younger days. And so it it's a blast for me anytime I get to go to one. And so I love getting to bring people along and have them experience Louisiana Tech football because it's it's a it's a family that I'm a part of and we really have a great time at games. So taking Riley to Houston, showing him Rice Village, which is one of my favorite places in the world. I think it's a really neat area. Uh, getting to see what the Rice Marching Owl Band had to offer. <laughs> <laughs> they're just they're just a fun time, man. They they never disappoint. I know. A few years back, we went to a Halloween game, and it 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 just I don't even know what to say. They I I just didn't know what was going on at first, and we were just very caught off guard. But I will say they obviously love their school and they love their team, and I can admire that because that's how I feel about my school. Uh, so marching owl band, they were fantastic. So we, we did that. We, we went into Rice Village. Uh, we had Willie Burger in Beaumont, which I've never experienced, but Riley is a huge, huge fan of. Talk, talk about it. Give, give it. give it a rating. Give it a rating. On air. All right. So I, I felt like with Willie Burger, and I've told Riley this, I take everything into account, including uh, price and everything. I feel like Willie Burger was a hard, I'm going to call it an 8.5 out of 10, because for me... Yeah, I mean, that's we're not gonna. It's not really like a. No, we're not gonna do that. No, but it's it's a very. It was a very good sandwich. I feel like for me, it's a good cross between Whataburger, which is my one of my favorite establishments on the planet, and uh, Cotton's Hamburgers, which is a Lake Charles, Louisiana, just icon. And so it was kind of a cross between those two. I really love an old-fashioned cheeseburger in this place. Like, the atmosphere, everything was really great. I will definitely be returning. I'll bring my wife there. Uh, but as I spoke as I spoke of 
earlier today with Riley. There's a place in where my parents live in Billings, Montana, called the Burger Dive, that is the gold standard of burger places. I've always joked that I've wanted to start a restaurant and just sell burgers, and it is partially because the Burger Dive has just... It's incredible. I, I'm getting really hungry right now even talking about it, and I shouldn't be because I'm not hungry, but that's just how the Burger Dive is. It's incredible. If you are ever in Billings, Montana, if you ever find yourself there, which I don't know really why, why? you would. Why you Billings, Montana? Billings, Montana is a beautiful place. I, I get that. Uh, it, it is a wonderful, wonderful establishment, and it is part of the treasure that is the treasure state of Montana. I've never been to Montana as much as Jordan talks it up. He lived there for four years. You can go back and listen to episode 17. Three years. Was it three? You didn't do all four years of high school there? Okay, so three years. Excuse me. Excuse me. Um, When did you go your freshman year of high school? He went to Hamilton. Okay, so a little insight. Hold on. I want to explain some things. So you cannot hear me and Jordan at the same time. You may hear me in a faint distance. You may hear Jordan in a faint distance. One, we're in a car with road noise. So if you hear that, it's it's just a little perk of the podcast. I doubt it. That's a pretty good microphone. Uh, but two, we only have one functioning microphone right now because we were going to do two. He's going to have a lapel mic, and I was going to hold the microphone. But he, he forgot it in Lake Charles. So if this sucks, it won't go out. We'll just try again next time. Um, but, like, me and Jordan are passing the microphone while he's driving. He has He's talking to the microphone while I'm riding in the passenger seat. When it's my turn to talk, I'll, I'll talk into it. So that's why there's not a lot, of, a lot of conversational, like, me butting in or Jordan butting in to anything. So a little insight on that. So I just don't want you guys to think it's whatever. And you may hear me off in the faint distance. That's kind of what's going on. But, um... Yeah, so Jordan lives in Montana. He talks it up a lot. And um, I think we're going to take some guys to Montana, apparently. Is that is that accurate? Yes. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I'm excited to go. He talks it up. You know, he lived there, obviously. It's it's a place that that's dear to him. His parents still live there. I, I think it's going to be a fun time. Right? I, I love I love Billings, Montana. I really do. Um, I've always said that if I could take all the people in my life that I love and care about and bring them to Billings, I would have the perfect place because I I do love certain things about Louisiana, but I really love the city of Billings and I love like what actually there is to do. I'm not a a person that hates on Lake Charles. Uh, I grew up there and made my way back home and I enjoy every minute of where I live. But the only thing is that there's not quite as much to do as there, there is in Montana. Uh, I, I grew up a skier and loved winter sports. Uh, my, my grandparents lived in Wyoming. We used to go up all the time, and I would get to go skiing with my, my family. I started skiing when I was like five year, four or five years old. And so I love doing stuff in the snow. And so for me, when we moved to Montana, I got to change from being someone that just vacationed in the winter and got to experience winter sports to a local winter sports enthusiast and I cannot even tell you how much better that is if you could imagine if you're if you're the same way of you really enjoy the beach and you really enjoy you know 
swimming in the ocean and you get to do that in the summer every once in a while and then you, you imagine what it would be like to move somewhere like that where you could do it at any point and you could pick and choose the weather that you you actually got to do that in that's that's what it's like for me so my dad and I lived about I mean my family lived about 45 minutes from the ski resort so we could wake up on a Saturday morning and just decide if the weather weather was nice enough for us to drive to the ski resort and so uh, dad and I had tons of adventures I, there was another one of my best friends is a guy named Derek Daniel I'll probably tag him in something with this that we actually used to go uh, ski together he and I were really, really similar in our abilities, and then his dad actually used to be a Black Diamond ski instructor, and he would take my dad, uh, bless uh, Mark Daniel for that, because my dad, as a skier uh, at that time, really struggled on a lot of things, and so Mr. Mark would kind of teach him some stuff and could kind of go at his pace. So Derek and I would really challenge each other and got to do a whole lot of cool stuff, uh, and then we also have our dads that got to hang out together. So that was like some of my favorite times in my life. Like that's my dad and I went to big sky, which is the biggest ski resort in the United States. That's in Montana. Uh, we went there on my senior trip and it just, there's, there's so many good memories I have of that place. And if I could just put it all together, if I could take the people here and move them there, I would, because I, I just really love the state as a whole. The winter is really cool, but then also everything in the summertime and how beautiful the weather is. I just miss it because at the same time, I've got the really, really damp armpit that is southwest Louisiana weather. Don't talk bad about it. it <laughs> it's bad, but it's our bad. It, it, it's it's bad, but it's our bad. It's just <laughs> I, the I I don't even I don't want to. I said I'm not gonna hate on Lake Charles. Don't it's hate not. On it. It's not that I'm hating on Lake Charles. I don't like humidity very much. I don't like being like wet while I'm hot. And so like tonight, at the end of the game, <laughs> we were sweating not because we were like doing any type of physical activity, but just because we were in a damp part of the stadium. And we were in Houston, in the middle of Houston. So, that uh, it's just how it is. I can I can attest to that. I was sweating. I was also jumping around and, and, and enjoying my time in Houston. It's not like I'm there now. Um, <laughs> I looked at my I looked at my book. This is uh, I think the twentieth trip to Houston I've been to for work purposes. Work, quote unquote, going to like sporting events or whatever. So that's fun. So that's, our seventh. that's our seventh together all time. Yeah. Hey, seventh time. Every time me and Jordan go to a sporting event in Houston together, the team, I don't want to say I root for the Dynamo, but the team I cover the Houston Dynamo have won. In this one time, we went as fans where Jordan bought tickets for both of us. Tickets are eight bucks. Uh, we were in 35-yard line, nine rows up on, on the visiting sideline. was $8 at a rice game. So if you're in Houston, I know a very large audience in Houston. If you're in Houston on a Saturday and you're bored and you want to go see a live sport event for under $10, go to rice because the, the, the marching the, the mob, the mob, the mob, the marching owl band was one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my life. There was like 30 people. Maximum. They made their presence known. They made their presence known tonight. They did. They did karaoke night for Family's Weekend. And they played three of the most overplayed songs in America. 
What was uh, Sweet Caroline? Sweet Caroline. Uh, All Star by Smash Mouth. Smash Mouth. Nah. All Star by Smash Mouth. And also, what was the first one they did? I don't remember the first one. Oh, Living on a, pra- living living on a, on a Prayer. Is that Aerosmith? Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi. Same, yeah. No, not the same. Not same. You get it. What's my era in music, man? What do you, I don't know what you want from me. Um, <laughs> but the mob, man, the mob was incredible. I, I, we might tag them in this as well. We could tag you guys too. Cause at Rice Mob. Great. They're just great. They are. I just I enjoyed it so much. Um, talk about the difficulties of, of, of podcasting and driving. I I I would say that's not really the difficulties of podcasting and driving. It's the difficulties of podcasting while driving and passing the mic back and forth. Because <laughs> as we just did, <laughs> I'm holding a microphone backwards now with my hand, and, your phone just fell. and my phone fell. And <laughs> you know what? I'm I'm gonna hand this back to you. <laughs> we got a filibuster until Jordan's okay. His phone fell through the crack, and he's holding the microphone backwards. We don't have a cohesive way, and this is why there's there's not two functioning microphones in this thing. <laughs> it's someone's fault because they left it. But talk about difficulties of podcasting and driving, please. I so I I am new to this podcasting thing. I really enjoy it. I am an avid. Yes, I, I was a producer on one that didn't happen of If Anyone Cares. I have been as a guest on If Anyone Cares now twice. This is my second time. And also I was a, uh, a guest on a friend of mine's podcast as well called uh, Timothy's Table, which it's, it's a good friend of mine. And my dad and I actually did one together, and uh, that was a blast too. But I am a avid podcast uh, consumer. I do love podcasts. I have a whole list of different ones that I listen to regularly, but for me, uh, being a part of the production side of it or helping record it, I really enjoy too. Uh, I feel like whenever I listen to other people talk, it makes me feel less self-conscious about the pitch of my voice because I feel like I have a very high voice. And so getting to hear other people that may not have my dad's super booming, powerful voice, that it makes me feel a little bit better at the end of the day. So... But the difficulties of driving doing this are, I don't know, I'm just talking holding a microphone, but it's the passing back and forth that's driving me nuts. It's, it's the passing, but you're also passing in another sense. You're passing 18-wheelers. We just saw one almost fly off the road at one point. You had to pass them. You're going 70, which is in the, in the law. We can do 70. It's fine. Um, Welcome to Interstate 10. Welcome to Interstate 10. This is great. Um, Interstate 10, this is how I get to work. This is so great. Um, no, we, we, I've never done it. I don't I don't know if this is accurate, but I've never done a podcast on moving car. I've done stuff in cars. I do over the line in, in a car when we record on Tuesday nights. Yeah, we do over the line on Tuesday nights in the car. Uh, when we have to record on Tuesday nights, obviously our, our main night is Monday night. But... It's it's interesting, right? Because I got a laptop in my lap. I got chocolate milk in my my cup holder. I just spilled a little bit on my on my shorts. That's what I had the flashlight on them for. But the the passing is not great because there's no real interjection. Because with the with the microphone, it's really 
it's a really good mic, so it's you can hear what's in front of it. It doesn't really pick up a lot of stuff outside, but the car noise is... It, we're driving on a construction site that is Interstate 10 all the way from Houston to Lake Charles and even beyond to probably La- ba- Baton Rouge, even Mississippi. Like It's, it's un- always under construction. So the passing back and forth is not as fun, but I don't think I've ever recorded in a moving car. It's definitely an interesting concept of what we're trying to do. But me, me and Jordan... Spending time with Jordan is one of my favorite things ever. Like, one-on-one time, getting to bond. What? What? Uh, I, uh, somebody passed me, and it it made me very uncomfortable. I Look, they're driving in the middle. They're, they're, are you, they're straddling the median. Okay, I, yeah, I, I'm already a pawpaw when it comes to driving, and this person passed me and was in my lane a little bit, and it, <laughs> it kind of stressed me out in that moment, and so Riley saw me just kind of like shiver, so, sorry, that's a... His whole body went limp, and he just looked at he looked at the steering wheel, and then looked at me, as I was talking good about how much I like spending time with Jordan. His body went limp. I'm like, what happened? What did I say? And then I saw the car pass. I'm like, oh, that makes sense, because we're driving and doing a podcast. Because that's that's something that happens. Anyways, the point of what I was doing. I love to get alone one on one time with Jordan because there's there's great things that come out of it. And it, it's, it's interesting because the times I've been with Jordan one-on-one is a lot of time us going to Houston. It's kind of a thing we do together. He's been to Dynamo Games, obviously this trip. He teaches me a lot. So I, I'm curious. What is uh, what have you what have you gotten out of a relationship, like our relationship over the last two and a half years? Like you and me spending all this time together, becoming closer, doing this thing. What have you gotten out of me? Because I know what I've gotten out of you. I have gotten a great, I won't say, maybe not great, a a better understanding. Because, I, I mean, I, I still feel like I don't understand it all. Uh, for me, I'm kind of in the back end of the millennial generation. I feel like I'm in this weird, like, in-between section. I was born in 1992. Uh, I've always joked that I am one of the worst social media people on the planet. Uh, I I just don't really post anything. My wife and I joked when we were dating that everyone thought we had broken up because we never posted anything together, but we just we just didn't post stuff. And so I I just I'm really bad at social media. I know how to work a lot of things. I feel like I'm good at creating content at times, but I just I it, it's not a huge focal point in my life. And so I spent a lot of time observing social media more than contributing to it. I just don't have a whole lot to say. And so uh, in the time Riley and I've been together, and, and this is talking to you too, Riley, of I've learned a lot of how your generation thinks because uh, I consider you as part of that, that next one coming up, that Gen Z stuff. And I feel very very disconnected even from my own generation especially the the people coming up a little younger than me and I work in in ministry of I work for a church and work with Riley's age group a lot and and people in their late teens early 20s and uh, I I run a, a student center on campus so I'm working with college students and for me 
of kind of understanding how people work, I, I always have had a disconnect. And so getting to get kind of a behind the scenes look at what Riley's doing with all of this stuff has, has helped me kind of understand people a little bit better. I know it sounds like I, I feel like I'm somebody that's living with the gorillas. And at times that's exactly what it feels like. I feel like I'm an imposter that's dressed up in a costume pretending to be like everyone else. But it's it's yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm just living among a bunch of other creatures. And so it, it, it's been fun. I've just that's been probably a huge thing is getting some different insight, uh, understanding the way that uh, y'all perceive the world uh, and the way that you take things. It's, it's been good for me because it's, it's helping me teach and empower and and even learn some things for myself. Because I, I'm an I'm an educator. That's what I that's what I do. And so, uh, kind of getting feedback of seeing what it feels like. That's it's been good for me to to adjust some of my methods and things. And that's why he speaks professionally for a living. Jordan Jordan Sermon. Out of the many things he gets to do. I don't teach no, 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 hold on. No, no, no. I have a, I have a point to this. Oh, okay. So Jordan gets paid to speak intelligently to other human beings for for a living. Sometimes about math, sometimes about more serious things that matter in life. Unlike math. <laughs> um, but Jordan, that, that's kind of like what I consider you to be. is just someone who speaks professionally in an intelligent manner to other human beings to convey a message about various different things. Like a, like a variety of topics. Uh, yeah. Very... That's right. Various, yeah, various topics. Variety. Variety. There we go. It's it's eleven oh nine. Been up for a while. We we've been we've been gaming hardcore. Louisiana Tech Rice, twenty three twenty overtime. How about them dogs? How about them dogs, bro? Ever loyal be. <laughs> All right. That doesn't deserve that kind of laughter. That's I'm dead serious. I will ever loyal be. <laughs> uh, tech fan for the day. Actually, after this, soft spot. I might. I might develop a soft spot. I've always kind of liked tech. It's always one of those schools like, all right, yeah, you you represent us. You're not really a threat to my favorite university. Just, hey. Different circle. Go state. Go tech. There's a different circle of, 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 of teams they have to play. You hate Southern Miss. I hate Mississippi. S- same thing, pretty much. There's different caliber. Big brother, little brother. You're a little brother, and I'm okay with that. You know what? Little brothers, like me, I'm the baby of the family, grow up, and they get to be great. I'm not saying my sisters aren't great. It's just I have a podcast. <laughs> um... I feel like I had a point to all this. Okay, so Jordan, Jordan for me, has been very influential. Let's just say that. What are you What are you looking at? He just he's looking off into. He's driving. Okay, I'm sorry. You're driving. I'm sorry. <laughs> it just seems like you're so uh, transfixed on a particular thing in the distance. Okay. Anyways, Jordan, um, very big influence on me. We got a lot of cords running. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, you got 
two cords running. One to his phone and one to my laptop. And then the microphone and the laptop. You get it. Um, very, very big influence on me. I'm very, very grateful for the time I get to spend with him. And like I said, I, I try to get as much one-on-one time with him. He's taught me how to not be an idiot a lot of the time, even though I'm 19 years old. And then I, I was thinking about this a while ago. For people that don't know, Jordan Sermon is 27. Just turned 27 last month. So there's a there's a eight year gap between me and him. So that's why he has this like whole perspective thing because when I was born on that glorious day back in September of 2000, parents survived Y2K. I was eight years old. I was, he was eight years old. So he was in in fourth grade, probably, maybe third. No, I was eighth eight and fourth grade because I graduated early because of September. Yeah. Anyways. I went to kindergarten. Okay. That's not the point. So he graduated in 2010. I graduated in 2018. So it's an eight-year gap between the two. So this is a very interesting relationship me and Jordan's built over the last, what's it been, two and a half years now? We knew we we knew each other casually for the first couple of months, and then we got to hang out. I went to his office at the church. Remember that conversation? That was that was fun. Um, and he showed me that he's not not smart. He's not. He's a pretty intelligent guy. He helped me out. And uh, the story of me and Jordan Sermon becoming friends is 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 an interesting one because I met him in a very very like odd place we met in dry creek louisiana at a baptist campground that 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 we were at that weekend in like 2016 right it's like 2015 or 16 16 so i was 15 years old when i met jordan yeah he had had a lot going on i met him when i was 15 and then two years later we become friends now, I feel like Jordan's one of the most close people in my life, man. Love you. Love you too, Riley. I I think what's significant about that is I was in, I would say, the most difficult season of my life when I met Riley in that time. And I don't know... He 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 didn't know at that time. Most people didn't know exactly all I was going through. Well, I, I mean, I just met you at that particular moment. Yeah. So it's not like it was. I, I knew you. I learned your name that day. It was it was a it was kind of a point of reference later on that he met during that time. But it's funny because of the impression that I had made in that season because that was what a lot of people. I was going through some some dark things in my life, uh, and was still able to maintain a pretty positive outlook. Um, and that's, I'm not, I don't want to sound proud of it or anything, but that's just kind of how it was for me at that time. And so it, it is cool to get on the other side of that and to have an even more positive outlook because, I mean, my I love everything that I'm doing now. And I love that, that I have a job and uh, a wonderful wife that, in, that would allow me to come do different stuff with Riley like this and, and be able to go on these trips and and help him achieve the things that he wants to do because it, it's it's nice. Not everybody can do those kind of things. So it's been cool to have the flexibility to do those things, and it's, it's 
it's very humbling when I realize exactly what all I have. And you mentioned a while ago, by the way, we're passing the Elegante Hotel. Elegante! Elegante! In Beaumont, Texas. We're, we're about maybe an hour and 15 minutes away from Lake Charles. That's being generous. Probably like an hour and 15 away from my house. I live north, north of Lake Charles in a little small community that is a fake city. Doesn't have a mayor or like state funding for anything. Or parish funding. By the way, there's parishes in Louisiana, not counties. You can get that out of here. No, but what was interesting about what you said about Louisiana Tech, about how you get to share this with people, how you get to have something you're passionate about, something that you love near and dear to your heart, that's something that that you that you love. Like, it's it's one of those... Yeah, we just went over some bumps, and Jordan's being dramatic. Uh, something that you just can't necessarily express into words how much you love it's one of those things where you get to share that with people and they get the experience of being with you and that love kind of transferring over that car is going a thousand miles per hour that's probably like it's probably going 85 90 so that's 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 how i drive i drove 85 90 on the way here but it's but mine's like smooth and consistent. That's flying. Um, but you, you get to share what you love with people, and it's kind of infectious and, and it's it's contagious. You brought up the thing about making the things I want to do happen. Uh, we've talked about this channel. I covered the Houston Dynamo. I get to do really really cool things with them. Uh, I've done college ball. I've done um, pretty major major soccer tournaments: the Concacaf Gold Cup, the Concacaf uh, Champions League. Just doing things like that with big teams and, and sold-out stadiums, especially NRG Stadium where the Houston Texans play, doing two games there. For Jordan to come along with me to Dynamo games and stuff like that and, and doing the U.S. Open Cup Final like we did last year, um, it's the same thing for me to share that with Jordan because I have a very unique opportunity that I get to bring people with me. Not every sports fan gets to go into the locker room with the players after the game. Not every sports fan gets to interview the players after the game. Not every sports fan gets to sit in the press box and go onto the field and do all these types, types of um, different opportunities. So the fact that I know that he loves sports, whether it be the Dynamo, you know, he doesn't love soccer. He doesn't love the Dynamo. It's not his I, team. I'm a fan of sport. He's a fan of, of sport. Sport. Of sport. We're going to rock with that. Assuming they know what that means. If not, just Google the phrase. Um, he's a fan of sport. So to get to be in that in, in, in that place and have that opportunity to go and, and do it, it's special for me to get to bring him along to that. And I brought many people along. I've done this probably 45 times now. I think I've done 45 events. I think probably I think 40 people have done with me. So Jordan's been six times to that, and it's just... It's an honor for me to get to bring people, and Jordan's done so much for me. It's the least I can do is give that back to him. So it was interesting that you brought that up with tech because that's that's how I feel about doing uh, stuff in Houston and, and elsewhere. It For me, I, I mean, I get it completely. I It's funny. <laughs> I always tell people I, I grew up as a huge Oklahoma Sooner fan and have I still have a soft spot for him in a lot of ways, but it – 
that was probably the extent of my college football fandom, and I, I enjoyed it as a as a whole of following different things. But going to a school and it being my place and understanding all the traditions and and just being a part of the actual family, it just kind of changed it. And so Louisiana Tech getting to be there in the middle of like the rise of the program and everything because we've got some really cool history and some some neat people who've come through there. But it, I'm very proud of where I went to school. I I think that. People, the people that really love college football, that I think they do love it because of the emotion and everything. But I think it, I, I'm somewhat biased in this, but I, I think if they only focus on the top 25 teams or just whoever wins the national championship, they're missing out on a lot of what people love about college football. Because, like I, I've, I've said it before, I know – on the top end of stuff, people are so worried about finding the true national champion that, like, they want to get rid of the group of five even competing. And, I mean, that's a little bit of sports talk, but it that is what I love is being able to play these bigger schools and see where we match up. And it's like the true David and Goliath story, and, and you see some cool stuff happen. We were talking on the way here about North Dakota State and what they've been able to do against some big schools in the past and I would hate to see that be done away with because I think it would take away from some of the emotion and some of the passion that we have in it. And I, I, that's what I end up wanting to translate to people is you, you really can't experience mid-major football, not truly unless you go with somebody who does have that passion for it, that loves it. And so for me, as Riley got to watch me not completely panic when we're losing by seven to an zero and four team, and then take that team to overtime and win by three points, and then be elated to beat an zero and four team on the road. It just it's a conference opponent, and it's a win is a win. And you know, we just I just I'm excited to see my te- team play, and I'm excited for those kids that they were just proud that they could come back and win that game and that is a proud moment it doesn't matter who the opponent is I mean it's a it's a sport but it's they're all competitive and it's not like those guys don't think the games matter just because they don't play in the SEC or the Big 12 I mean it's important to all those kids that's why they're playing uh, but I think people lose that sometimes that it's it's so much of a money grab thing and for a lot of those kids NFL is not really something that's going to happen for some of the best players it is but that's I mean, what what is the reason to play then? Is it to win championships? Because like, some of like, if you're on a team that only wins one or two games a year, then what what is your purpose in playing? And it's it's because they're competitive, and they just they want to win, but they're just trying to get get better and and trying to be the competitors that they are. They don't believe that they're going to lose all those games. They're trying to win, and so it's, I. I think that's what I love about it. Even in the three and nine seasons, as frustrating as there were, I still went to games and and was a part of it, and still, you know, walked away gloom and doom at the end of every game and was sad. But then I also was a part of like watching my team go one and four to start a season and then win seven straight and get a bowl game against a major opponent. And so it it's been a fun time. But I, I was excited about showing somebody those different things I'm passionate about. Because it's one thing to argue with someone or tell them about it. It's another to get them to see one-on-one what it's about. And I've been to LSU Alabama a couple times. Uh, three times, actually. 
and it's been interesting, right? Like, it's number one versus number three or number one versus whatever. Like, last year it was number one versus number three. LSU got dismantled and demoralized to the point where I, it, it was hard to to even care after that just to see your team get destroyed by the number one team when you're, you know, you're number three ranked team and you think you're pretty good. But tonight I had I had such a good time and it was it was it was to the point that I appreciate so much the mid major football now. Like I appreciate the pageantry and the tradition and the uh, there's so I mean the, the alma mater says it like ever loyal be the fans at this game were incredible. There was a few f bombs. There was a few at that at family night at Rice on the Louisiana Tech side. There was a few f bombs dropped at J. Mar Smith, who is by the way not a kid. He's 37 probably. He's bald and he has a beard. He has a <laughs> He's just he doesn't look 22. He's a grown man. Think about Leonard Fournette at LSU. That's what J. Mar Smith looks like. He's like 30. <laughs> it's whatever. Um, but to see everyone at this game, this game is like just not a great game to be at because Houston's playing at home against. Uh, they're playing someone good. Like they're playing like an interesting matchup today. People love Rice. And people love Louisiana Tech. There's a bunch of Louisiana Tech fans in Houston, and obviously me and Jordan came from Lake Charles. I'm sure there's people that came down from Ruston to make the – how long is it from Ruston to Houston? About five hours. About five hours. So a little five-hour trip to go see their team play. And I get that. That's a cool thing to go see your team play on the road. I, I know I've, I've seen it before. So to see and, and experience this – Mid-major conference USA, bro. Conference USA, the best conference. Nope. The best USA since the U.S. Women's National Team. <laughs> I, I think also, yeah. I don't know how you're gonna recover from that one. Uh, also, I think what's, what's fun about it is. Riley got to see it in in full in full, exactly how it happens to me, where Haley and I always joke, my wife, that if I walk around in tech, anything around Lake Charles, or if we go anywhere, like we've been on cruise ships, we've been on vacation in other states, we've been all over. If I walk around with Louisiana Tech stuff on, I will run into somebody that recognizes it and and will talk with me about it. And I think it's that's one of the differences between, you know, the major ones, the, the, like the major end of college football and mid-major of. Like I, I had a, I have a friend that's a huge Alabama fan, and like if they run into another Alabama fan, they just you know roll tide. Or when I was an OU fan, you know, boomer sooner to people that had the same stuff on. Well, like that was the end of it. But as we ran into tonight, we were at Bucky's, which is a, a magnificent establishment that is. I'm oh, sorry. Um, a very large gas station. So we were at Bucky's in, in Baytown, and a guy just was also getting something to drink and saw we were in tech stuff and just struck up a conversation about how we felt about the game. Come to find out he's from Sulphur, which is 
across the lake from us in Lake Charles and uh, was talking to me about the alumni chapter they're going to start in Lake Charles. And so it just comes up so often. Of course, we're coming back from a game, traveling on a major highway, stopping at a very popular gas station, but it happens all the time. And it always starts a conversation, and it's always some kind of connection that we have. And I've met so many cool people through it, and so it was, it, it's it's been a fun way to connect to people, of just being connected to the university because it, it I mean it it's just like anything it's spiraled out and there's just tons of connections all over the world at times. So I know I my parents run into people in Montana when they wear their tech stuff that have some connection somehow even though that's 2,000 miles away that they are connected to Louisiana Tech in some way or another. Hearing Jordan talk, Louisiana Tech is a special university, apparently. It is. And but that's how all of them are. That's how, that's how all those kind of schools are. There's always a connection, and that's the way it goes across the board. So I'm just I'm a part of that culture. We just scream tiger bait at people, man. I mean... Uh, full cell FS Nation, bro. FS Nation. Working on uh, Lady Gaga and, and, and B. Coobs. Shallow. Represented. Every time you listen to that song, you're thinking about Full Sail University. At least that's that's what I think about. It was like pretty hit hit song. Great movie. A Star is Born. Gaga and, and, and Bradley Cooper. The, the remake. The remake of the remake of the remake movie? Is that what you're talking about? Lady Gaga and, and B-Cubes, man. Good movie. I, seen it. I know you haven't, so you can't talk crap about anything. I can't, so. Can you? I realize you probably can't hear this on the conversation. <laughs> I'm sorry. Jordan, why are you spitting into my mic? I'm not, I'm not spitting. I'm eating ice because that's what I do. It's just part of how I am. When I'm on a road trip at, what time is it? It's late. Okay. Okay. I mean, I just put my mouth up to my mic, and it's just, it's just wet. So it's the ice. I get it now. Okay. I thought you were just spitting into my mic, because we had the conversation in, in, in Tioga in June about this little mic cover, this like foamy part. Everyone's seen it. About how it's never clean. It's a, it's basically a spit guard for your mic. It does a bunch of other stuff, but it's basically just it catches everything. And um, now these are never clean. This one doesn't smell bad. We keep it, we keep it pretty nice, bro. So, just a small tangent when it comes to mic covers. <laughs> so, <laughs> is that the proper name for it, the mic cover? I I would think so. Or it might be a spit guard. I all I know is we. <laughs> so I, I grew up. My my dad is a pastor in in Billings, Montana, but. Growing up, he was the, the music director at the church that I actually work at now. And so it's kind of a cool thing, me coming back. But I remember as a kid of uh, me and my friends, like, daring each other to sniff the microphone screens or, like, the, the, the spit guards because they were horrendous because some people with some halitosis that was spitting onto these microphone spit guards. And so I totally get the smell bad thing because... It was borderline, like, make you pass out from the stench when I was a kid of 
it can be brutal the smell that comes off of these things and we i mean as kids we double triple you know quadruple dog dare each other to to sniff specific spit guards of people that we knew were spitting into them that had some of the halitosis does this mine smell bad I'm smelling it right now. It's not bad, man. I promise you. Nope. Smell it. Absolutely not. Why? It's not bad. We run a clean operation if anyone at, at if anyone cares. Both on the microphone and with our microphones. It it just comes back to I'm scarred from those moments as a kid because I'm not I'm not sniffing mic no, get out of my <laughs> <laughs> Try to put the microphone in his nose. <laughs> it smells good. It smells like a. It smells like a daisy. Have you ever spot? Have you ever stopped and smelled the daisies? Yes. Roses. Yeah, roses. I do not like the smell of roses. Dandelions. How is this still in going to be in the same interview on the podcast? Where? How did we? How did we reach the point where you're asking me different flowers if I've smelled them? Magnolias. <laughs> this is content, bro. This is if anyone cares. Um, we're at 57 minutes. Has it felt like 57 minutes? No, it felt longer. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> not the interview, just the drive. You are driving, though. I'm not. Where are we at? Are we in, we're in Orange? Or in Beaumont? Yeah, like Vider. I think we're in Vider. Vider. That's a real city. It's not visor, it's vider with a D. That's how it works. Um, Charlie Daniels man is going to be... Where are, they, where are they playing at? Cachata. That's a... Sorry, yeah. It's in Kinder. Exit 44 and I-10. If you're, if you're in the... The Lake Charles and Kinder area, we're, we're going to promote the Charlie Daniels man for free as a filibuster... Let's try to see where this conversation needs to move on. Go see them at Cachata at uh, a night. You can Google it. I imagine it's probably soon because it's on a billboard. Um, so, you and I don't talk in the same way professionally. But you and I both talk professionally. You have to, you have to talk in, in an intelligent manner to other human beings. I have to talk in a sometimes unintelligent manner into a microphone about soccer. And then on this show... This crap show. So, you were, you were not a kid that was fond of talking in an intelligent manner to other people, and now you're an adult that does this on multiple levels. How'd you get here? I think I think the nice key difference between what we do is that I. I do speak for a living, like you're saying, but I honestly, I teach for a living, and that's probably the key difference is you you speak to be to entertain, and you also to, teach me. This is an educational show. Uh, it, but I mean, like the main purpose of it is not to teach, and so I do speak. That is part of what I do, but it's not a, it's not a hundred percent of what I do. It's most of what I'm doing is to instruct and to teach in a certain way and so it I do try to be entertaining in what I'm doing but it, it, it does have to be for the sake of learning and so for me 
uh, as an educator, it all started for me when I was in high school in Montana. That we had some uh, students that had moved to Montana from South Korea, uh, from Incheon, South Korea, and they were really really cool. Uh, I, I became very close with them. They were stellar students, uh, especially in mathematics. And I know, of all things, that tends to be a stereotype, but they really were, and they were very proud of the fact that in their culture and in their country that they were known to be great mathematics students. And so one of the things that I helped them out with, though, is that uh, the curriculum that we're using was very, very heavy in word problems and conversions and things. And they were just a little bit behind in that because... They had learned English in school, but they just weren't really fluent yet. And so I tutored them kind of as a separate thing to help them understand how to, to, to put the mathematics to the problem itself and, and spent some time working with them and, 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 and helping. And that was probably one of my first steps in the direction of what my career would be. I, I, I remember I had a, a teacher in high school named Mrs. Garcia that that pushed me really heavy, heavily that she thought I'd be a, a great educator and I honestly wanted to make a whole lot more money than that and thought it was stupid and that I would never do anything like that which never ever say that because that's that's just not a great idea uh, but she she told me I would be great at it because she'd seen me work with people and, and saw uh, how much I enjoyed helping people kind of get it and seeing the light bulb moment and so I I went through that uh, I, I went to school at Louisiana Tech. The reason I chose Louisiana Tech, it's funny that I go to Rice Games because that was the two schools I was really looking at. I actually had a campus visit lined up at Rice and was at a church camp in Tioga, Louisiana, and a, a guy mentioned that Louisiana Tech had a great engineering program. And so I went up and visited because Rice had canceled my campus visit. It was like a holiday weekend that they just messed up. So I drove up, went and visited, fell in love with the school, and uh, ended up attending school there. Later on, I ended up changing my major outside of engineering and, and went into just pure mathematics because I wanted to, to teach. And so in, in all of that, I always knew that I would be a part of something like that. I loved tutoring. I still did do it on the side when I get a chance to and still absolutely adore tutoring. But the, the speaking in front of people... Uh, that was always my brother's game. That was always what he was better at. He's he's a very uh, he walks with a lot of charisma and and people just kind of he's got a magnetic personality that people just think he's the best. And so and he's the one that I actually talked crap about. I think the last time yep. we had a podcast. You told the internet you did not want your brother to hear this when this show is on the internet for literally anyone to hear, and you're gonna tweet it out. And I imagine he probably follows you on Twitter or Instagram. And I don't know if he's good at it or not, but I, I, you probably saw it or heard about it. Well, my brother's also part of that lost generation that's bad at social media. So he, I, it's still very possible. This is a very popular show. Yes, that's true. So I think he, I think he did listen to it. But we, I, it's, it's by the way, it's number five all time, or number, maybe number six now. Yeah. So I, I mean, that was a, it was a good interview. I enjoyed that one. But it. My brother has this magnetic personality. He was always like the life of the party and was a social butterfly because I can't find a better term than that. And so I, I just always kind of lived in his shadow and just kind of followed him around. 
And so as an educator, when I came into everything and, and started to kind of get more sure of myself and more confident as a speaker, uh, it, it worked and it, it was very against my natural tendencies. And so it's been able to kind of change the way that I'm able to work and, and, and bring honors to different areas in my life where it's not just about me. And so that's, that's been really great. But it's like I've said of most of what I do ends up being just teaching and, and, and not just, I hope not just talking for the sake of my students because they have to, they have to learn something because they got to pass my course. And if they're just listening and not learning, it's not good. Okay. So a couple things with that. One, I want to explain where we are. This we're at, we're in a war zone right now. We're in Orange, Texas. I like to call it Orange Colton, Texas, because it's it's under massive construction and will be from the time um, from right now to the time my children are eight. I am not a father. I do not plan to be a father for another ten ten years. Wait, hold on. I was twenty nine. That's a lot. Never mind. Yeah, that's the we're at the Louisiana Texas border. We're in a terrible part of Texas, known as Orange. It is the first borders border city. It is it is the El Paso to the Louisiana border. Just to put it in those terms, it's ten minutes away. We're we're on smooth road now because we're in Louisiana. Well, sort we're on the Louisiana roads that they probably paid, and we actually care about our our citizens. Texas is bad. I'm a long-standing rivalry against the state of Texas. Anyways, Jordan, what I was alluding to about what you said, it's, it, yeah, you you do go up there and talk and you teach and, and, and uh, you teach in multiple ways. You, you teach, obviously, college students about math and, and you teach about some other things. Obviously, you, you do work for a, for a church. You have a lot of ministry things going on. How much entertainment actually goes into that? Because you have to be somewhat entertaining. And we'll get to what I do in a second about inter- quote-unquote being entertaining. But how much like entertainment factor do you try to throw in there? Because obviously talking about math for however long the class is is, is not always something people are going to want to listen to. Well, you know, <laughs> uh, being a mathematics instructor will teach you a lot of things. Uh, I taught high school for a year. <laughs> and to keep to keep students on track or to inspire them about math is a very difficult thing because I mean you can inspire them about certain topics but on a regular basis inspiring them is tough and so it became more about the connection and uh, and more of hey I'm just trying to help you and get you to your future that you want uh, and I used to love having debates with people that would try to argue that they didn't need math and I'm a firm believer that while you may not need the actual skills you're learning, you do, need, you do have to learn how to critically think. And mathematics is a fantastic way to teach you problem solving, problem solving and critical thinking. So it's, that is a huge thing. And so I, I used to always push that. But for me, I, I watched a few videos years ago because I'm just a student at heart. And so... I, I mean, I've been doing that for a long time of just trying to learn. I, and I have two degrees in mathematics, but I, I, I do learn about a lot of other things. And I remember when I first started having to speak reg- regularly or, or having to teach, I remember taking a speech class in college and 
learning a ton from the lecture part of it because you did have to get up and give speeches but I, I learned a lot and I'll never forget it I, I, I asked my instructor I, I, I told him I'd be interested in getting into being a lecturer possibly one day I said you know I'll I'll probably be teaching high school, but maybe one day I might be a lecturer. And uh, what, what kind of things would you suggest? If you could give me any insight into the future, what would you say? And he didn't really know me that well. I mean, I'd been a student in his class. We hadn't made a strong connection. And he said, uh, you know, Mr. Sermon, I don't, I don't know you all that well, but uh, what you'll find is there's certain things about yourself that people will really love or they'll really enjoy and there's certain things about yourself that people really won't and they will just not ever like and what you'll have to learn to do is as an instructor as an, as as an, as a speaker you have to find those things about yourself that people find appealing and magnify them and the things that are not as appealing about of your personality you have to minimize those things to be more effective as a communicator and so that that stuck with me of of kind of doing self analysis and and years later I became friends with somebody that was real big on that and and learning how to analyze the things that people like and don't like about me and and it's just it was it was a great thing of it could have been very harsh in that moment to take it that way I'd be like wait what people aren't gonna like me but understanding that that's that's just the way it works and that they won't like everything about you uh, I thought that was some great advice so I, I had some insight there. I remember also probably one of the biggest things of saying like with entertainment value, how much does it fit in there? How much does entertainment fit into teaching? Uh, I, I've always tried. I, I, I like to think I'm, I'm a somewhat humorous person. <laughs> I like to think that I can make people laugh at times. So I have different things that I do. I, I do tell jokes sometimes and I think of funny things. It's not always like stuff with a punchline, but I, I, I like to think that I'm I'm humorous. But you know, like a bone. But it is imperative as a speaker. He's choking in the corner of the car right now. Thing with Jordan and his comedy, it's just a bunch of one-liners that you have to catch. Jordan is a one-line machine. From the clouds, Jordan Sermon is gonna drop a bone joke in the middle of this podcast. He's humorous like the bone. It, 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 take it back. All right, so, so my main point of this though is probably the the biggest thing. I always, before I make a major point in anything that I teach. I will almost always put a joke right before it because you learn from just the, I guess, the sociology of uh, the people being in a classroom together. There's certain things you learn. You'll, you'll notice that if you ever are in a classroom and you have a gap in silence, that it brings attention back in. If you ever are speaking at a certain volume and then you change that volume, whether you get loud or you get quiet, it also brings attention. Um, because sometimes you can bring people in with your words when you go quiet. Sometimes you can, you know, hammer something home by getting louder. Uh, the silence is powerful. I've, I've sat after asking a question using, like, you know, a Socratic method of, of questioning. I've sat and waited for a response for, like, up to two minutes before. Which, two minutes of silence in a classroom is deafening. And it is, like, it feels like two hours of silence. Uh, but it, 
it gets a point across. But it it's the same way with a joke that if you have a classroom full of people and not everyone is listening and then you can deliver a joke and get anyone in the room laughing at all, if anyone laughs, it immediately gets everybody kind of back on the same page. Because especially if you can get a if you get a whole room laughing just about, then they're like, "Oh, what happened? Did I miss something? Uh, what? I guess I need to pay attention because something just happened." And they're and they're spending that time trying to figure out why everyone just laughed, and then you can hammer that point home because you've got their attention. And so it works that same way. There's there's certain things that uh, when people aren't paying attention, I've learned if I can get a response from everyone. Uh, whether it's a laugh or just absolute silence to bring them back in, it's very, very effective. See, it's different for me. Like, I've done live shows and stuff, and that's that's an interesting, different thing. But but podcasting is different because can't, you can't hear the audience's reaction, so you just kind of have to tell jokes and hope it goes. And I know over the line, uh, the soccer show I do every single week with Preston Weatherington, who's going to be on the show at some point, um, we just kind of make jokes all the time and it's for us like podcast with someone else is, is interesting like you and me this show is for us right now but I, when I'm thinking of it I'm going to listen back to this probably on, on tomorrow which will be Sunday or, or Monday it's probably going to drop sometime uh, later in the week this is for us right now I'm liking the show and if I like the show for me, in the content that we're putting out, yes, we talked about a lot of college football. This is not a college football show. We, we, we talked about, you know, a lot of different things involving that. But we also talked about, you know, it's a well-rounded conversation. We were very diverse. With these, quote-unquote, entertainment factor that goes into podcasting and, and, and being a part of, of something cool like what I get to do with the Dynamo and being a content creator... You don't get to know. You have to wait for the reaction on Twitter. But I've been in groups of people before where I just kind of go. And um, you've seen it. It's based on a comfort thing, really, for me. It's how comfortable am I being the center of attention in this group of people? Because there's some group of people I'm like, okay, I'm going to lean back. I don't really talk a whole lot. I'm very quiet. I kind of let everything happen, and I react to a lot of things. In other groups, I'm very proactive. I make things a priority for me that I need to say this in front of this group of people because I know I'm going to get a good pop. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think it's just me being self-aware of my surroundings. But you don't get the luxury of that. But you also don't have the burden of everyone watching you in the immediate reaction and judgment of if, if the joke landed or not. So it's different, It's but it's the same in the, in the concept. You have to be funny and entertaining at some point. And you have to control what's going on with the voice and the, and the mannerisms of um, of how you react as a as someone who does this. But it's different. It's definitely entertaining as a teacher, or it's an entertaining thought to see a teacher having to use the entertainment uh, aspect of it to get people to pay attention. Because I've had great teachers who are funny and that were informative. And I got everything I needed out of them. But I also had great teachers that were just like, hey, this is how you do this. If you have any questions, let me know. And they worked through the problem. It was great. You know, I've had both teachers the same way. I just didn't know how you did it because I've never heard you teach. 
I think the biggest thing is, I mean, that's that's pretty much a lecture is what I was talking about. I, as an educator, as a teacher, there's also a, a certain capacity of I love, I love teaching at the college level. I like it a lot better than high school. But probably the biggest thing is I am really big on, as a lecturer, I'm going to give you everything that you need to succeed. I'm going to give you every bit of help that I can. Um, I'm going to give you as much grace and mercy that I can when it comes to grading. Uh, But I'm going to give you all the information you need to succeed. But it is completely up to you whether you succeed or fail. And so it is not, as as a college instructor, you know, as a lecturer, it is not my job to force feed you or to give you every single answer. It's my job to help you learn. And sometimes, especially with mathematics, without repetition and without practice, you can't develop fluency because it's, it's just like, I always say mathematics works the same way that language does. You can't learn a language without ever trying to speak it and messing up. That's just the way it works. You couldn't just continually read a language over and over again, learn how to read every little bit of it and write it out and never try to speak it and expect yourself to be fluent in it. And mathematics kind of works the same way of all the problems that you work, all the examples you see, the the examples and everything that you would read or that you would see someone else do, that is all you reading and writing. And then the actual you doing the problems yourself, whether it's homework or whatever, that's actually you talking. And that's where you learn to become fluent. And so it, that is a huge thing of, I, I can't, I, I'm not, I am not the end all be all when it comes to if my students pass or fail. I always tell them at the start of the semester, you know, if you come to class and you give every bit of effort, you will succeed in here. Um, but it's completely up to you whether you, you put in the effort or not. I can't make you do it. If I have a hundred percent success, it's not because of me. It's because I had great students that owned up to it. If I have a, you know, zero percent pass, I, I don't think that's all on me either. I mean, it, it, it's completely up to the student. That's just the way it works. And that's one of the tough things about being a teacher is that, and you know, your success or failure sometimes is, is from other people because of the way that their jobs work. Uh, it's determined on the success of your students. But, it, I mean, that's their that's their thing of if they learn it and if they choose not to learn it it's just how it works so it's a it's a tough thing we have a really tough way that we grade on how effective teachers are because typically it comes down to test test scores and that's not always the best indicator of a great teacher so it's i mean it's tough donde es la biblioteca okay no that's you were talking about you got to mess up. I just asked you where the library was. Where is the library? Donde es la biblioteca? It was a cool library, McNeese, isn't there? It's off of Ernest, <laughs> of Ernest Street in Lake Charles. Uh, yeah, so if you ever want to go to the McNeese Library, go for it. No, the, it's the Central. Huh? The Central Public Library is on Ernest Street. Oh, it's the Central. Oh, so it's not even McNeese. Oh. That's cool. It's a good. Li- it's a very good library. I'm a very big fan of libraries. We have one in Moss Bluff. It's a public library. 
Yeah, this this is the the Central Public Library is like the main one for Calcasieu Parish, and it's connected to that one, but it's awesome. I have a fun story about a library. La Biblioteca, as the uh, as our friends that speak another language say. Uh, so when I was a sophomore in high school, I told the story in the show before. I, I injured my Achilles, or ruptured my Achilles playing soccer, and then I went and had a uh, a crack in my heel later on that same season playing soccer at my my high school. So what happened was we uh, we got put in the homebound program, which is mostly reserved for kids who are very very sick or kids who have like suffered major. Terrible injuries, and or pregnant women, girls. They're not. Are they women yet? No. Pregnant people. So, like either like cancer patients, (laughs) breaking both legs, or pregnant women. So somehow I I conned my way onto this list for a year. I had an injury that was supposed to keep me out for initially was supposed to keep me out for three to four months, and then I broke my heel in January. After being back at a full schedule for I think like seven school days, that's fun. Seven school days, and I went and got extra that night. Ended up having a a six inch incision. In, in the heel and up the heel a little crack where it just like went into the bone it was the worst thing ever worst pain I felt it a lot today after walking uh, anyway so this homebound program you would go to the public library in your city the closest one to you for one hour a day and that one hour of the day was the greatest time for me because I had human on human interaction for the only time in my day There was very, very few times I got out of my house other than go to the doctor, going to the doctor, Dr. Thomas Hall, by the way, fantastic human being. He helped me a lot through that process. And then to this homebound program. So I'd go on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. That Thursday is completely off from school. Great time. Had a lot of Pepsi. Had a lot of double cheeseburgers. And I played a lot of FIFA. I I got very, very good at FIFA during that time period. And movies and TV shows, and I, I was couldn't do anything. I couldn't walk for over the course of. I walked for maybe three weeks over the over the last that 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 period of eleven months. So that was fun. So I would go to the library, and meet up with these teachers. And these teachers didn't know who I was, but we had a great time. A lot of them were very funny. They understood that I was in a terrible spot and I was more likely high on painkillers during the time. So they kind of got it and they rode with it because they're traveling teachers. They get it. They're, they're dealing with all these different types of kids all the time. So they have to have a very diverse personality and they have to know how to handle everyone. So I was high on Codeine 3 going and trying to do school with all these teachers. And we had a good old time in those public libraries. People got mad at us. They asked us to be quiet. The whole typical scene from the library is like the librarian shushing at you. And of course it's the older woman with the glasses that can go around her neck to read books. That was a real thing that happened. She's a librarian of the library. And then there's homeless people watching 
YouTube videos and more than likely adult films on the computers in the middle of the library. It's a public library. What do you want? It's a very interesting time. So, libraries are great. Support your local libraries. They're a dying industry. They're government-owned, so they're never going to die. It's like the post office. But, go, to your, go, go get a library card. Go get a book. What, what most people don't know, like, our library does some cool stuff. You know, this is a plug for the library, but, you know, I'm a big fan, all right? The library in Lake Charles does cool stuff where, like, you can actually, like, check out pots and pans at our library. And so people that don't have those kind of things can check them out from the library and use them. Or, like, baking kits and stuff. And, you know, it, it, it has some cool stuff also because of the way that the times have changed. I love books and uh, have an enormous collection of different kinds of books, whether it's math books or just different Christian living and stuff from, from the other stuff that I do. Uh, and I just I just love books and will buy stuff discounted at any time. I'm a real big fan of the clearance rack and also checking out the cheapest books possible on Amazon. But the library has some really cool things. Most libraries will have a system that you can go on and get ebooks that you can actually check out from them that are you know like 14 to 14 days to like 30 days that you can have them it's the same thing you can stream movies and stuff like there's there's tons of stuff now that people don't realize they have with their library um like the one in lake charles actually you can get a lot of different video games there you can check out like there's like a considerable amount of stuff of like PlayStation 4 and Xbox One games and even Switch games I saw the other day. Like there's there's tons of stuff and it's it's because they're trying to provide that service for people who wouldn't be able to get it and it is public access to those things. But there's there's a lot of resources there and I don't think it gets the credit that it deserves and also people don't nearly use it that should because you know, and we we really all should read a little bit more, and I I'm guilty of that at times. I'm trying to actually schedule reading into my day lately, so there's that. But do not go look behind someone using a public computer in a library because it's probably not great. I've seen it firsthand. The guy was homeless, allegedly. Eh. They all the they, they they know better. They have all that block now. We're in Westlake. Sort of. Carlos Westlake. About to get on the, the I ten bridge. Which had or two ten I'm Okay, yeah, we're going that way. The I ten bridge is ranked uh seventh in the most dangerous bridges in the United States of America. Which is by the way, that's what we're broadcasting live from now or live from the 2009 Toyota Corolla in the United States of America. I think God 10's like top 12 most dangerous bridge in America too. A lot of construction being done on that in the last year. And we were driving now by a plant. Not a not a plant, but like a chemical plant. Not like a like a dandelion like we talked about earlier. We're also driving by plants as well. We're also driving by a tree. Jordan, you just kicked that thing out of, out of cruise and it popped. No, I mean, it, it kicked the cruise on first. Yeah. That wasn't me. The 
first part. That was not me the first one. It just it accelerated very hard, and then I braked because I was actually going around a curve and did not want to accelerate. Going around a curve like a bridge, like the little ramps off or whatever. It's, it's a bridge. Um, we're to driving this thing. Let's go into the belly of the bridge. I'm surprised that's not like a rivalry game. Me and Jordan played a game on the way here. We would take classic American rivalries for college football, and we would talk about, or talk about like some of the things that happened in that rivalry. And he would have me guess the all-time series between the two teams and who was leading the series. It was a pretty fun game. I was, I was pretty close on a lot of them. I guess one of them correctly, but Boise State had 15 wins against against uh, Fresno State. That was the only one I got like right on the nose. I got a lot of the schools right. I missed maybe like four or five um, schools like leading in the series, and then maybe I think it was like an average of like maybe f- four or five off of how many wins they had. So it's pretty good at the game. Um, Jordan, I would love to have you back on for the bowl game at the end of the college football year, but you know a lot of the bowl games because you played in some of them. <laughs> like Louisiana Tech just plays in these really weird Dollar General Bowl type games where you know these exist because you you've you've experienced it. I I love minor bowl games uh, because it's like I said earlier, Tech is on an active a five bowl game win streak, active of five years of five wins, which is huge for our program and honestly is a is a tough feat. There's actually one other school that's done it, and it's Wisconsin. So. Uh, I always tell people, as much as people try to knock it, you know, most of the bowl games that we'll go into, we're playing against Power Five or teams that also had pretty good records in mid majors, and so uh, typically we're an underdog in that. And so, still being an underdog and winning on a national stage is a big deal, even if it's not a New Year's Six bowl. And so, I do, I like all the bowls. I don't think it's great when you have five and seven teams in there. But it is pretty exciting for me that after the Tech's win tonight, you know we're four and one. We literally need to win two of the next seven games to be bowl eligible, and that is a great feeling. I just want to talk about. I don't want to touch on any of that. I want to talk about how impressive it was. Jordan Sermon was driving one-handed on the twelfth most dangerous bridge in America while podcasting with a microphone in the other hand, keeping it straight. That was one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. It's it's at Louisiana Tech education, man. Teach you how to drive. Um, we're we're driving over Lake Charles right now. Got the Prion Lake. Oh, golden nugget in the distance. The blue lights of the cop car who just is hanging out watching Netflix in a construction site. Not a bad gig, actually. Probably watching Last Chance You on Netflix. Jordan's a very big advocate for that show. Watch season four, apparently. It's very, very good. They still with Independence over in Kansas? Yeah, season four was with Independence. Coach Jason Brown? Yeah, it's <laughs> I mean it's not for the faint of heart. There is strong language in that show, but it is coaching. But it's it's Jason Brown's an interesting guy for sure. Trying to get Jason Brown on this show. Checks his email every four seconds. So uh, pretty sure I can send it to him. Um, two exits away. I'm going to wrap this up. Jordan Seven, what's your closing thoughts on the day? It's been a great day. 
It's been nice to celebrate Riley McManus. Or sorry, Riley James. It's been nice to celebrate. It's, it's both uh, very proud of my team today and what they did. Uh, but I am ready to go to bed, honestly, because I got to be up at ooh, I got to be up about seven fifteen in the morning. So it's going to be a pretty short night, and then back to work tomorrow because tomorrow is Sunday, and uh, Sunday is a big work day if you work at a church. So I will be very busy tomorrow, but. Uh, it's been wonderful, and I always enjoy getting to be a part of it if anyone cares because I'm one of the people who cares. So He says that. How many shows do you listen to? Uh, I think I've listened to five or six of them, honestly. We have 29. It's not a good, it's not a good percentage. I'm a busy dude. <laughs> but you have this plethora of podcasts, and you're thinking, am I in there? you subscribe to my show? Yeah, definitely. Don't know if that's, that's accurate or not. I don't know if I believe you. I, I'm inclined to believe you, but but whatever. My big thing is I, I do listen to a lot of shows, but like I don't listen to anything consistently because I I am I'm trying to work on managing my time better. But for me to have enough time to sit down and listen to anything more than 20 minutes long, it's very difficult with my schedule. Let's get some AirPods. Let's get some AirPods. I have to talk to people. You can still talk with AirPods in? No. Okay, never mind. That's it for him. He's done. He has to drive the rest of the way. How far? We're pretty close. We're exiting right now. Unless you take the taking this exit to the next one. Taking the next one. Um, fantastic day. I turned 19 today. It was one of the better birthdays I've had. I got to spend it with a very, 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 very close friend of mine. Someone I, I love and that is near and dear to my heart. Uh, and Jordan Sermon. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> Cameron Dodd. <laughs> no, uh, I, I love Jordan Sermon. He has definitely uh, meant so much to me in my development as a human being and also as, as a friend and as someone we can we can have these type of conversations with where it kind of goes on a deep level. It can go much deeper than this, I promise you. We went much deeper than this talking about his life in Montana on the last show, but definitely something uh, I, I never take for granted my time with Jordan Sermon, especially in these one-on-one traveling situations where we're together. We've been together for it's been 13 hours now. 13 hours today. Non-stop. And I'm not sick of you. I think you're sick of me, though. I'm just, I'm just very tired. He also has a wife, and I get it. It's fine. Nevertheless, Fantastic show. Episode probably 30. I don't know. You'll see. You'll see it. Um, 19th birthday. Done. It's over with. Looking forward to 20 now. 20th year of life. See what see what happens here. Be a junior in college here pretty soon. So, good things. It's always like a, uh, a look back when you, when you turn... A new age. So, we're going to sit and think about that tonight. Probably not going to sleep for a couple hours. That's, yeah, Jordan just shook his head. <laughs> but for Jamar Smith, Jamar Smith, for the entire Louisiana Tech football team with a fantastic win tonight over, over Rice, 23-20 in overtime.
at Rice Stadium, which is very hard for me to believe. That's Super a Bowl eight. Super Bowl eight. Yeah, Rice Stadium hosted Super Bowl eight. The Miami Dolphins beat the Minnesota Vikings. In 1974. 1974. Who was the MVP? Uh, Zonka. Fullback. Yeah. Fullback because the 19- because it was 1970s. Um, yeah, Super Bowl eight. Rice Stadium in Houston, Texas. Very odd place. But, eh, whatever. Rice Stadium. They don't have corporate sponsorship, and I appreciate that. Corporate America should not be in college football because you still have Michigan Stadium, the Big House, Tiger Stadium, Bryant-Denny Stadium. Love that. Joe I.A. Stadium. Joe I.A. Stadium up in Ruston, Louisiana. How about them dogs? For Jordan Sermon, for all the Louisiana Tech players, and for everyone that listens to this show that that means the absolute world to me that you listen to the show. We build it from nothing, and, and we're not where we uh, want to end up. We still have a, a lot of work to do and a lot of places to go and a lot more places to reach and a lot more people to talk to, but I'm very grateful where I'm at, and it's it's definitely been the most interesting in the world, interesting thing in the world for me to be able to do this and, and grow this audience. So I say that every week to you guys, but I really, really do love the show. I love you guys that listen every week. Um, even if you just pop in, still appreciate it because you take time. You don't have to listen to us. You take time out of your day to listen to us, and it, that that means everything to me. So for you guys, for Jordan Sermon, my name is Charlie James, if anyone cares.